Bush and Obama both made speeches this week bashing Trump. At least that's what the media says. But I think they were about something else entirely. The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6 when I don't make room for Bulldogs football. So this is the bye week and here I am at my regular time. Uh, and uh, there was plenty to talk about this week. I actually have a full length show today, three hours, so we can cover anything you want to talk about. I noticed that there were some speeches making the news this week. There were three, at least three big speeches. Uh, former President Bush made a speech to the Bush Institute. Uh, former President Obama made a stump speech for Ralph Northam, the Democratic candidate for governor of Virginia. Uh, those speeches were both widely regarded as slams of Trump. Now, I myself think that there's a much bigger agenda at work here. Uh, but the and there was a third speech. I didn't listen to this speech, but it did get plenty of press. It was by Richard Spencer, who's uh, widely regarded as the leader of the alt-right movement. And if you haven't heard my show before... Uh, it might surprise you to learn, if you have heard my show, it will not surprise you to learn that I, I have, a, those kind of things seem a bit orchestrated to me. So I actually think the two former president's speeches, the timing was coordinated, and I think it probably was uh, intentionally positioned or juxtaposed against this Richard Spencer speech. I. Uh, you know, just to give this feeling to kind of show uh, both the rank and file Democrats and the rank and file Republicans that the establishment isn't as bad as you think. You know, be careful what you wish for. You want to drain the swamp and you get lunatics <laughs> who are ushered in uh, from the fringes like this Richard Spencer guy. Um, that that go along with all that is Trump. Now, I'm not I'm not saying that's what I think. I'm saying this is what I think we were. When I look at this stuff, when I see these big media events, for me, this this is all propaganda. It's all stuff to make you feel a certain way, to make you form a certain opinion based on an emotional reaction, and that in this case. It's uh, you feel if you're on the right, you feel good when you hear Bush speak because it seems so sensible. When you're on the left, you feel so empowered when you hear Obama speak because he's so inspiring. But these these speeches had some content that for me is very telling about. Uh, well, certainly Bush's speech was very telling about a kind of globalist agenda. And here's. So I'm going to play some clips from both of those speeches and clips that you haven't heard uh, in the mainstream media. I'm pulling out the stuff that I think goes to a deeper meaning here. And starting with the Bush speech, you probably heard about this speech. You probably heard that it had all to do with bashing Trump. But he actually gave the speech. You probably did not hear this. He actually gave the speech as a... Uh, 
to introduce a paper that his institute, the Bush, George W. Bush Institute, commissioned. And the paper was called The Spirit of Liberty at Home in the World, A Call to Action. So that sounds great. This is, you know, very, uh, uh, everybody loves liberty. (laughs) So, and I'm a libertarian. I'm a hardcore libertarian. Like, I'll do Ask the Libertarian and uh, stuff that would stump other people. I can answer that question. And I'm happy to answer questions like that if you want. Uh, Or anything about the speeches, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK are our numbers. Or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. But I noticed for a long time now uh, that that liberty and freedom are words that are often co-opted or like used synonymously with security. You've heard, you've definitely heard people say you can't have freedom without security. You don't realize that you cherish your liberty, but that all comes at the price of security. But what it's really what it really is trying to justify is the security state, not genuine security, but it actually is used to take away our liberties at home by implementing, uh, you know, by justifying taking away some of our freedoms and also certainly liberties of people abroad because it's used to justify foreign interventions, which I would say, if you dig deeper into the, to the reasons that we do some of these things, they're not for the security of, of America, of the people who live here, because they spread terrorism and refugees. It's for uh, you know, a globalist agenda that we go out and soften up uh, second tier countries, that kind of thing, second world countries, I guess. Uh, so so this, so what the real news to me is, you know, I get so sick of the distractions and the fluff of what you get from the mainstream media. The real news to me is what what is the what are these calls to action that Bush is is using our reaction to Trump to justify. So people said, oh, he's bashing Trump. I would dig a little deeper and say Trump you know, I've tried. I've searched for the meaning of Trump for a couple of years now, as I've seen that the media say they don't like him, but give him endless free coverage, which did get him elected. You know, on purpose or by accident, I don't know. But I would, I think there's a chance that he's put into place to generate this kind of uh, reaction to kind of get a renewed embrace of globalism. So, so it's interesting to me when Bush comes out and actually has a plan of action that that has some maybe benign sounding headings but for me i read a little bit in between the lines i mean you have to if you want to get ahead of it people always ask me you think there's a conspiracy people run the world uh, where's your proof well i consider things like this the blueprints for that that that's what this is how they communicate to their the people who implement it so uh so there were four subheadings of this thing. Harden our defenses, project American leadership, strengthen the American citizen, and restore trust in democratic institutions. So we can go through some of these. The one uh, that I, the very first one of the first, the first one is harden our defenses. The first item under that is this. I'm reading from the document. Secure our elections infrastructure. And then it says... In the words of former Homeland Security Secretary Michael Chertoff, we know what it takes to strengthen election cybersecurity, but we need to start taking the issue seriously. And that's the entirety of that first item. Sounds good, 
But for me, I've been looking at the events and how people have been talking about the Russian hacking, whatever. From the beginning, the left and the right, ultimately, in my opinion, are going to converge on advocating the federal government to take over federal elections, which would be really the end of democracy, certainly the end of my faith, any faith I might have remaining in democracy, which is why I think that the last point here is restore trust in the democratic institutions. Because there, and also Trump had an executive order about this, they talk about restoring trust in democratic institutions. They don't talk about restoring integrity They say, because it's a confidence game. They need you to have confidence in it. So the more they they control it, the less valid it becomes, the more they have to focus on getting, <laughs> building up your confidence. So that was a lot to take in. And we have a wait, and it, I was just, I am just getting started, but I can dig into any of that. You don't understand. You want to talk about 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I want to get to some tweets at Monica Perez show, but first Binkley, my producer is going to read us some tweets, but Binkley, didn't we, we do a podcast called Propaganda Report which you can find at PropagandaReportDaily.com. And I think we did on one of those podcasts a bit about Chertoff. If I recall correctly, he said something to the effect of we need to uh, fundamentally change our legal principles in the name of cybersecurity. I think that was it. Do you remember that? Do you, do you recall or can we post that? Yeah, he essentially said that we need to restructure the entire legal, legal system. Yeah, like from the ground up, because now that we have a cyber world, those founders of ours, they were well-meaning, but they couldn't possibly anticipate digits. Right. (laughs) I mean, human nature is human nature, and those fundamental principles, in my opinion, can be applied. Uh, So, I mean, I don't know if I want to get into that so much, but I think of like when there were all virus problems, and McAfee came out, and he basically addressed it privately. And now, all of a sudden, the cybersecurity... I think the reason they can't really address them privately, these issues, is because the government has people put back doors in their stuff. So the, it's uh, it's like impossible for this to be addressed privately without changing fundamentally our legal processes because they're already stepping over the line. So uh, what do you? So let's let's do some tweets. Let's go for some tweets. What you got? All right, I got one from Goblin Eater who tweets that Bush's paper says to secure election infrastructure. It does not call for central control, as you claim. That is true. I did tweet earlier um, that, to me, this means central control of elections. And I, I feel like it's clear that's where this is headed. I mean, uh, if if the government is going to, if the if there's a call to action to secure our elections infrastructure, and a guy like Chertoff, who was the homeland security secretary and is well known to be heavily invested in big picture large-scale security apparatus uh, i i can only think this is serious it's big it's serious it's going to happen on the national if not at some point the international level i just i think that this is uh it gets out of your control when you have someone i mean if bush is not a central planner who you know? He's not going to say, "Well, let's return it to the counties. Let's make sure. Let's let's have it at my house. Like let's everybody <laughs> vote at my house." Because I've done that. You vote at somebody's house, and that guy. I mean, I'd like to be able to vote at somebody's house. Let them put a piece of paper in a shoebox, and we all walk together. So uh, anyway, let's. Um, I'll play some clips from that and tell you what I think about it. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty one eight hundred WSB Talk. You can talk. 
you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. 73 degrees outside the studio. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And I am going to Alan in Marietta. Hey, Alan, you're on with Monica. Hi, Monica. You know, all the laws and everything have been written, have all been written by lawyers. And before time, it wasn't done that. The reason people get confused with election laws and everything else like this is it wasn't written by the common man. It was written by lawyers. And honestly, you understand the law because you're a lawyer. You understand legalese. And, you know, the rest of us don't. I, my opinion is uh, Congress passes a law. They should send it to a random high school, give it to a bunch of 10th graders, let them read it, and then give them a test. If they understand it, it's a good law. If they can't understand it, take it back and rewrite it. But you read some of these laws. And, you know, you go subparagraph G of Section 8, uh, subtitle B. Who understands that except lawyers? I think I think it's intentional that we not understand it. Like, it's meant to be obscure, which is a very bad thing. I mean, that's, that's my point. Yeah, and it's, and it's a setup. Like, there's nobody who couldn't uh, be arrested for something, I feel like, or skirt the law. Like, John Corzine, he's my favorite example. He was the governor of New Jersey. He was the senator of New Jersey. He was the CEO of Goldman Sachs. He really yeah. did a lot of funny business. Uh, uh, f- Transfer, used people's money um, wrongly, lost it, paid back his friends first before the people he's supposed to pay back. He should have gone to jail, and he was completely above the law. But you can make a minor infraction and go to jail. I mean, that's the system. Rule of law means everyone is treated equally. People don't even realize what that means. Uh, excellent point. Thank you, Alan. We're going to play some of these Bush clips. I'm going a little bit deeper than what you're hearing everywhere else. This is Monica Perez, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, at Monica Perez Show. And now for something completely different. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am the libertarian voice on WSB, Saturdays from 3 to 6, especially this week, because it's the Bulldogs bye week, so there's no game today. And I've got my normal show, 3 to 6, and we are talking about some interesting stuff that I think happened during the week. And one big problem I have had lately, this whole year, maybe even the past two years, but really this year, is there are serious things happening. There's I focus on or observe notice that basically every single one of the Bill of Rights is getting attacked, diminished, whatever. Our um, some of our activities in the world are unjust. They violate the basic tenets of morality. Thou shalt not steal and they shall not kill some of our foreign uh, policies. We never talk about that stuff. And. Instead, or I should say, the 24-7 news cycle is so often focused. I mean, a week or two ago, it was really about whether or not Rex Tillerson called Donald Trump a moron. I mean, and this week, it's what Donald Trump meant or said in a call to a fallen soldier's wife. And that kind of story, I mean, it really, uh, it as Obama recently said, it strains credulity that... 
She was sitting there and Trump called her while a congresswoman happened to be in the car and she put him on speakerphone. I mean, that to me is a story that's really amazing. And then fold into that, that he said he knew what he signed. Uh, There was a whole, supposedly he said, your husband knew what he signed up for, but it still hurts. And there was actually an entire article in the Wall Street Journal today by Peggy Noonan about, or or that highlighted the whole article wasn't about it, but that the ambiguity of that, that how he might have meant this guy was so courageous, he signed up for it. And, you know, even though it eases the pain that he uh, was a hero, it still hurts. So she was emphasizing that. For me, I actually termed, coined the term, the art of ambiguity as a play on the art of the deal as like the hallmark of uh, how, not even Trump style so much as how Trump is covered. And these things to me are, I mean, it's, they're reporting nonstop about bickering. You know, it's bickering, empty bickering. And I think that is a diversion, a distraction, smoke and mirrors. Uh, It not only keeps us from focusing on what's important, so much of it, if not all of it, is focused on is meant to keep us focused on each other and petty arguments. Whereas, if we stopped for a second and looked at the really important stuff, the stuff with some content, the stuff with some depth, we would find that both sides are working hard to eat away at our rights. I did a whole show recently on the the First Amendment that to regulate the media, to have the government regulate the media is serious business. And I, I don't want that to happen. You can't, I mean, that's that that basically de facto results in a state news agency, which does two things. First of all, it just propagates these official narratives that may or may not be based in reality, but it also, just like the FDA and truth and advertising laws, all that stuff is meant for you to to make you not evaluate things for yourself, for you to trust it, even though it's it's easily hijacked and co-opted and may not be trustworthy, but it's meant to make you trust it so that you don't think for yourself anymore. And this week, the bickering or the the petty soap opera like story. One of them was that uh, George Bush made a speech that, without naming names, took a shot at Trump. But what his speech really was for was to introduce this call to action, a plan of how his institute came up with kind of a you know for me it's ushering in globalism it's strengthening institutions of globalism and one of the important things that they focused on was how to control media how to constrain media and how to get people to be uh trust media again and i don't like that and and that's what so you think these guys sound so rational you know, Bush sounds so rational, so calm. I forgot he's like so, you know, and Bush and Obama, both of their speeches were very, very well written and delivered with a lot of gusto. I mean, these these speeches were meant for wide dissemination. They weren't just like Obama's was a stump speech in Virginia. Bush's was at his institution introducing this paper. It was clear these guys knew this was going to hit the national stage in a big way. And and they were trying to send a message. And And for Bush, I think it was, hey, you can trust me. And I say... Globalism isn't as bad as you think it is. So, uh, so Binkley, my producer Binkley's here. 
Let's read a tweet, and then I want to play some clips of this speech. What uh, What's our latest tweet? I have one from Luke who tweets that votes only count as much as the people who count them. You're spot on in regards to the federal control of elections. Yeah, I think that's what they're after. And they when they when you look at the federal elections, they really because they're not federalized, because they are at the state level and the right to choose your election stuff is a state right. You could you can mess around with that a little bit. If you want to squander it like California does with illegal immigrants, that's really the people of California's business. They're sending those electors. They can they should take care of it themselves. And by doing it the way it is now, uh, a bit of a hodgepodge, it's very difficult to hijack it wholesale. They can focus on one county or another that could be the difference maker, but you don't want to make it easier for them. And then uh, and at the same time, they act like they're doing us a favor, that they're going to make it even more trustworthy. So let's let's play a few a couple of these bush clips the first one i want is uh i want clip eight bush clip eight if you don't mind urgently attend to the problem of declining trust so he, bush had this call to action uh and he he says the major he wants the major institutions of our democracy public and private to consciously and urgently attend to the problem of declining trust. See, this is so important to me. And I mentioned earlier when Trump put out a uh, established a commission to examine elections, his two out of the three mission, you know, items in the mission statement were to enhance confidence in the elections. I mean, it's a confidence game. They spell it out. It's about trust. It's about confidence. And to me, democracy itself is about, uh, it, I feel like the abuses a corrupt government can get away with in the name of democracy are much, much greater than they could ever get away with, like with a monarchy. Binkley, you agree? Yeah, absolutely. What he means when he says enhance trust in democracy is he means we need to re reestablish the illusion so that we can continue to carry on subversive activities behind a cloak of a democratic republic. Yeah, and they're going to double down. Like when I see that, I'm thinking, I feel like there are signs all around that they're doubling down now. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and there was a funny... Um, stat i read once i i it was i re recall it being from i think it was a murray rothbard thing or a hans Hermann hoppe real hardcore narco-capitalist extreme libertarian like me uh and i think that it, it was that the average monarchy taxed the people like five percent of the production and the average democracy taxes the people like 35%. So that's what they can get away with. I mean, and, and the 5% was causing revolutions. Now, granted, they people back then probably couldn't afford the 5%, but just as a sense of how much more. And think about think about how it works psychologically. When you look across, when you see a democratic thing that like bums you out, you think those idiots who voted for this. But then you kind of stuff that if you can because it's half and half. You figure, "Ugh, I'm just on the wrong side." And they let it swing back, his pendulum swing back. But if it was a monarch, I'm, we're all like, he's just doing it for his family, you know, like everybody would be super mad if absolutely nobody had a say in it. It would be easy for us to unite. But with democracy, especially the way they set it up for us, this two-party psyop, I, I'm actually reading a book that, ugh, reading is too strong a word. It's so dense. I'm like slogging through it. It's a brilliant book, but it's called The Ideology of Tyranny. And it talks about how in the 80s, the 1980s, 
they we adopted i guess michelle foucault i'm not very well educated i'm not i'm not a I haven't read everything about everything, like, as if I went to a prep school. I read what's interesting to me, and Michel Foucault has not, at this point, been interesting to me. But maybe it is now. The idea is that by focusing on identity and uh, division and um, uh, pulling away principles and stuff, getting us to just be irritable with each other, focus on things you can't change, your sex, your race, your orientation, that, that just can keep us forever at each other's throats. Whereas if we weren't busy worrying about that, if that if we weren't prompted to do that all the time, then we would see, we would just look up once in a while and see what they're doing. The surveillance, the censorship, when they're going to start regulating the media, I mean, that is in the name of censorship. And and I feel like they the Internet was put out there by the Department of Defense. We got a lot of surveillance out of it. They, they We put all our information in there. The government gets that. And now... And we also, in return, got a lot of information. That's what drew us to it. And now they're going to start taking that back. They're going to start controlling it. They're going to start um, uh, choking off that information flow, uh, if not literally, at least psychologically, by uh, uh, by putting a lot of disinformation out there to undermine our faith in, in alternative sources of media and reinforce our faith in kind of official sources. Uh, I mean, this stuff is... Uh, uh, I think it's coming, and if we weren't so focused on the stupid stuff, Trump's such a jerk, such a racist, you know, if you weren't so focused on that, we would see that. So, I mean, that's, uh, do you get that sense? I don't know. Yeah, I was banging my head against the wall watching Jake Tapper spend half an hour on State of the Union trying to force Tillerson to admit he called Trump a moron. Right, Rex Till- Tillerson, the Secretary of State, Jake Tapper gets to talk to him about anything in the world, like if you had one question to ask Rex Tillerson, <laughs> yeah. what would it be? Well, is he a moron? <laughs> did you call Trump a moron? Answer the yes question. Or no? uh, so, I mean, for me, that stuff. And then you get people like these news anchors who who mock. They they don't even they act as ridiculous. You know, the big mainstream guys. And they mock the alternative guys, like they do that fallacious argument, like the ad hominem attack. Well, he's just, there's a, uh, a funny joke about news anchors. He's just a commentator. He's just a, you know, an ordinary Idaho spud. Like he's not a real newsman like I am. Yeah, they call them internet news. Like they, they demean them uh, in kind of subtle ways. These online news, you know. Yeah, because the thing is, with the internet stuff, you have to develop what I coined as truth dar. You have to be able to sift through, but that, you don't actually have to do that with most of the stuff that comes out of the glowing box in your living room, because, like, that's almost always a lie. <laughs> you don't really have to get that good at truth dar. You can just say, eh. But I have to say, we, we did this podcast, and I interviewed my mom, and uh, she... So if you want to get our podcast, it's at PropagandaReportDaily.com. Interviewed my mom. And uh, she said, I love the fake news thing. You know, Trump invented that term. I was like, Trump invented? If I am more like, she was hearing it from me five years ago, and she thinks that Trump invented it. So he's kind of the representative of, uh, you know, depending on whose side you're on, People think that if you just look across the aisle, the other side is the fake news. And there's and people don't engage that truth star on either side. I want what's coming up uh, at the top of the hour. 
We're going to do Obama clips, and that goes even deeper. You're going to enjoy that from his speech. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Maybe something really cool that I don't even know about. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. 77 the high today, 56 the low overnight. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air, and we are going to the calls. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Going to Ron and Canton. Hi, Ron. You're on with Monica. Hello, Monica. I hear y'all talking about George Bush. As far as he goes, he's a swamp monster raised by a swamp monster. Raised by a swamp monster? Swamp. I know. I'm saying Prescott Bush was a swamp monster, too. Yeah, all of them, you know? So they don't count. I know, but people were heartened by that speech. What I'm concerned about is the uranium stuff. But new things are coming to light. You got the top three people in the Justice Department. Mueller, McCabe, Rosenstein, all involved. Eric Holder involved, Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton. You know Obama had to know about it. How is this not treason? Well, here's the thing. I think maybe it's treason, maybe it's not. But what's really treason is for the guys who are supposed to represent us in Congress to contemplate all these kind of laws that diminish the most important safeguards to our rights. I mean, that kind of stuff is interesting because it makes you mad and people should be called to justice. But I I actually think even that is just a layer of the diversion. We need to focus on uh, McCain wanting to put laws on campaign advertising. You know, that that's going to matter in a bigger way, I think, than... I mean, you got to hold people's feet to the fire. But let's talk about it a little more after the break. I'll give you a little more of the Bush speech, the Obama speech. This is Monica Perez. 